let's remain standing in honor of his word. Hebrews eleven six. Now without faith, it is impossible to please God. For the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him. Let's pray together. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit. Any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation. If you prompt me with it, I wanna be obedient to speak to it. And then Lord, you look at all of us today, but you see me differently. I'm a teacher, I'm a preacher, and upon me is a greater and a more strict judgment than anybody in this room. And I know that, and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray, his name that I preach. Amen, you can be seated. It's really good to see you. A lot of energy in here today, that's good. I'll try to keep this sermon within an hour, okay? Yeah, you don't mean that. I appreciate it, but you don't mean that. Uh, we're on our fifth reality. There are seven realities to God in this teaching of Henry Blackaby's Knowing and Doing God's Will, Experiencing God, and we've named it as a reset series for our life, but I, I wanna, we have five of them. Today we'll handle the fifth. I wanna read these uh, to you and with you. In reality, number one, God is always at work around you. It's chaotic out there in that world. It's there's great confusion. There's uh, corruption. I can think of a lot of C's that I could talk about how to describe what's out there. It's crazy, but he's at work. He's always at work and he's going to accomplish his will, his purpose, and his ways. Number two, reality. God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and very personal. Reality number three. God invites you to become involved with him in his work. There's an invitation that he gives you, not that I give you, but that he gives you, and he wants you to join him in that. Reality number four, we spent two Sundays on this. God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. And today, reality number five, God's invitation for you to work with him always leads you to crisis of belief that requires faith, faith in action. Um, I'm gonna give you a little bit of a little flow chart on the screen. Miles will put that up there for us because I, I want you to see how this flows. Uh, I, I want you to see how it flows. God, God is always at work. I, I know some of you have thrown your hands up in the air and you're trying to figure out everything that's going on between, is it end days? Is it, is it a final chapter of world history? Uh, what's happening? Is God really at work? What's going on? He's, he's working, I promise you, to accomplish his purpose and his ways. He's always at work. He invites us to join him. He invites us to join him. And when that happens, you and I blow up. It's called a crisis of belief. It's really natural for that to occur with you. Don't, don't think there's something wrong with you. And crises of belief look like, sound like this. I can't do that. I don't know enough about scripture. I don't have enough time to give to it. Can y'all add some of that? Y'all have other crises of belief? It's just, it just goes on. I, I, I can't, I, I don't, I won't. I, there's no way I can do that. Let me tell you something. 
That's what he always does. He doesn't call you because you can do it. He calls you because the only way you can do it is that he do it through you. This is a point of power, and we'll get here in a moment, that God's power comes through in these moments. You'll get to a crisis of belief and you go, I, I can't do that. I'm too shy. I'm too timid. I don't know how to talk to people. I don't know how to meet with people. I'm not the Bible answer guy. They're going to ask me something. I don't know what to do. I don't know, I don't know the answer. But yet you do nothing with that anyway. You don't, you don't try to get any sharper in his word. You know, you just settle with, I can't, I don't know the answers. Go talk to Pastor Jeff, and we'll end up talking duck hunting, something like that when it's all over with. So the, it goes on. I can't, and, and it, I'm not equipped, and there's no way, and I don't have the time, and it goes on. That's, that's natural. Don't think that you're weird or wrong. That's very natural because he's going to call you to something that you can't do. That the only way you can do it is that he do it through you. It's a very natural process. And then the next part of the flow in this is that uh, what you do next reveals what you believe about God. Because faith is always going to move to action. Always going to move to action. Let's talk about crisis of belief for a moment. What, what is it really? It's referred to as a turning point. It's a point of adjustment that if you're going to follow the Lord, it's, it's not just an adjustment, it's constant adjustment. Constant adjustment over and over and over in your life. I remember when I, was, when I surrendered to ministry, I, uh, I, was, uh, I was full-time at UPS, and then I was working at my father-in-law's clothing store, kind of like a Logan's, if you've been to one, a Logan's in, in a men's clothing store in Lexington. Papa had a store about like that in Campbellsville. And so I'd work with him on the weekends. And uh, I remember uh, being at the gift wrapping table in the back. Hannah, you remember where the gift wrapping table is probably? Because her dad worked for my father-in-law. And, and uh, I, uh, I'd be back there and, and I, I just had a sense of relief that I had surrendered to ministry. And I, and I made one of the most juvenile comments that a, a person could ever make. And I was going, man, I'm glad I got that off my back. I'll never be convicted of anything ever again. Uh, like that, that one point of surrender was all the surrender that I was going to be doing, right? That, that's why... I, that's why I think the pace prayer that I'm teaching you, whether you want to learn it or not, the, the C part of that, I think, speaks to my tribe of men because you, you, you raise your hands and you go, I surrender control. Man, that's a tough prayer. That's a tough part of that prayer. Order my steps, Lord. You gave me a life, I give it back. I surrender it to you. Even in this moment, in this day, I'm, I'm able to be able to do that and I want to be able to do that. So a crisis of belief is a turning point in your life. That's not a bad point in your life. Some of you need the turning point in your life. It's a point of repentance. Uh, the picture of following God is a military march. It's actually a military word. And it means you're walking in one direction and those of you who have served, 
You all can do it much better than I can, but it's an about face. I'm headed this way and I do a 180, not a 360 because you end up back where you were if you do a 360. I do a 180 and I'm marching the other direction. It's a turning point, it's an adjustment point of your life. It, it happens continually in our Christian life over and over and over. So don't, don't get to the crisis of belief and go, man, there's something wrong. Get to the crisis of belief and go, there's an adjustment that needs to happen in my life and uh, God's revealing that to me and I wanna be able with faith to take that next step that brings an adjustment. Um, Blackaby uses a fork in the road as an illustration. You get to a fork in the road, do you go left or right? And I understand that, but uh, a, a four-way stop helps me a whole lot. So I'm inserting a, a crossroads. I'm not trying to one-up his teaching, but I, I've always seen it as a crossroads because I come to a stop in my life and, and God, is, God is asking things of me, and I don't know whether to turn left, I don't know whether to turn right, I don't know whether to go safely through the four-way stop and continue on the path that I'm on, uh, or you, you go, well, there's no other direction. There's two more. One is to go back, which is the book of Hebrews. They thought that following the Lord was tough and was too tough so they, they were wanting to drift back into an old way of living that the Lord didn't want them in. That's why he gave them Christ. I mean, this is too difficult. So I want to go back to the old way, the priestly way, the Levitical way. I want to go back to that way. And God says, no, that way has shut down. We don't do that way anymore. This is the way we go. And they wanted to drift back. So I guess you can go backwards at this four-way stop and you go, well, there's not another direction and it's not really a direction or you just sit there. And some of us are just sitting there. And God continually gives you the path that you need to be taking and we continually just are sitting there. What does, the, what does this crossroads look like or a crisis of belief look like? Remember, I'm not saying it's a bad turning point. It's a really a good turning point, but it can look like salvation. God has brought you to this place and you need to be saved. That's the next step of your life. You have never, ever surrendered your life to the Christ who is calling you. That, that could be your, your point of adjustment. It could be repentance, the 180 that I talked about. It could be, and we're gonna be meeting this evening, beginning, starting a gift-based ministry in and through our church, and you're just gonna have to be patient, but consistently we will get to all of them. But we're, we're starting this afternoon. It could be exercising the gift that God gave you when you first became a believer. It could be that you've gotta continue on discipling other people as difficult as that is. It could be that um, the, he's revealing to you the next steps in your own personal walk. I, I remember uh, one day I was at a store in, uh, in um, Frankfurt and I saw this guy that uh, was in our home a lot. Andrew had him over a lot. And uh, Andrew, I think, may have been in junior high and we were putting hardwood floors in our, in our house and we couldn't do all of it, so we just did it a room at a time. That's all we could afford to do. And uh, we, we were tearing up old carpet and, and the, the tack around the outside of it and all that. And so uh, 
I, uh, I asked Andrew's friend to help us and I would pay him. And just through the busyness, it's not my heart, but the busyness of life, I just forgot to pay him. And I saw him in a business in Frankfurt one day and the Lord said, you owe him $100. <laughs> right? And I was going, oh man. And I'm going, I hope he doesn't charge interest because it's, it's, it's been a few years. You know, Andrew was a grown man then. And I, I called him by name. He's glad to see me. And I said, man, I said, I'm going to explain something to you. And I don't know if you're going to understand it or not. I said, do you remember when you helped us pull that carpet up and uh, that sticky tack around the edge and all that, that tack board? And yeah. And I said, did I ever pay you? He goes, no, you never did. And I, I wrote out a check and I paid him right there. And he goes, man, thanks for this. And I said, I am so sorry that I forgot to do this. The Holy Spirit reminded me that in, in just even in that five minute moment that my next step was to pain. That, that brings honor and glory to the Lord, okay? Something I promise. It also helps the preacher's character and we all know we need that, right? Uh, it, it, it's, just, it's just a life of next steps. It just becomes a life of next steps. And that crisis of belief, we get there. We know that God is inviting us. He's asking us to join him in his work. And you and I get to a crisis of belief. We feel like we're in a straitjacket and I can't do this. And I, I, I can't meet people well. And I'm shy and I'm timid. I don't have the personality of somebody else. And I don't have Bible knowledge. And they're going to ask me this. And I'm going to look so stupid. And I, don't, I don't know what to do. And here's the point. That's who he calls so that he can work with you and work in you to help accomplish his will. Here's where we're gonna make the switch today in the sermon. Faith requires action always. There is nowhere where faith is being asked to sit still at the four-way stop. It's to continue on. Look at James chapter two, verse 26. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Faith, faith has action to it. There's action to your faith. So you get to a crisis of belief, and what do you do? It's faith forward. I don't know what to do. What's the next step? Take the next step. Talk to a person right after the first service. They go, well, I know God's leading me to start a small group in my house. I go, well, then why aren't you starting the small group in your house? I don't know. Well, is that your next step? Yes. Are you good at that? She, her husband said, yeah, she's great at that. I said, well, what are you waiting on? Start a small group in your house. They don't have to be from our church. This is a kingdom issue. This is not a hope church issue. You know, I'm, I'm pastor in this area to take it over. Y'all listening? I'm not, I'm not, pastoring this area to coexist. I'm pastoring this area on how do we take it back? How do we take it back? How do we look at it offensively? You know, I mean like being on the offense. I don't mean being offensive. Okay. 
But how are we on the offense here? It's going to be one person and one heart at a time. It's going to be you saying yes to what he's inviting you to. It just goes on all the time. Faith requires action. Faith without works is dead. It's not meant to sit at the four-way stop. It's meant for you to go on. Look at 2 Corinthians uh, 5, 7. You know this verse. Many of you see it. It says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Sight is the opposite of faith. Sight does not even require any adjustment whatsoever. It doesn't require any trust. It doesn't, it doesn't require any action whatsoever. It's, I can see it. And some of you have a problem with the Lord because you, you, he gives you the next step. But I'm, I'm gonna tell you after 62 years of being around God, I know that he'll always give you the next step. He's faithful to do that. Now, you and I try to negotiate, well, why don't you show me the thousand steps I need to take? He has no requirement to give you that whatsoever in Scripture. There's nothing in God that says he has to do that with you. All you have to be faithful to do is take the next step. Like in that moment at that business, my next step was to write Jason a check for, for, 100, for $100 was to write that. That was what he asked me to do. Now, you're all going to walk out of here going, don't know anybody talk to him. I don't give you $100, you know. Uh, you, you just follow it. And there's power in it. There's power in it. I saw the guy the other day, same guy. He goes, man, I'm going to church. And I just want to thank you and thank you. And, you know, and, and I don't know how the Lord used that step, but God used it somehow to draw him closer to draw that young man closer to the Lord. I can't explain it all, but he did. So we walk by faith, and faith requires action. Back to Hebrews eleven six, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Your giving record does not impress him. Your creativity does not impress him. He wants you to believe in him. And he wants you to believe in him and to rely on him. That's where he always wants you. Always wants you there relying on him. Henry Blackaby's got a definition of faith that I want to use out of, the, out of his teaching. Faith is confidence that what God promised or said will come to pass. That it will happen in your life. It takes faith. It's a word pisteo in the Greek language. It means I'm all in. I'm not halfway in. I'm not partially in. I'm all in kind of faith. It takes that kind of faith to be able to please God. And here's what the Hebrew writer says it looks like. This, this faith that pre, pleases God is a faith, if you go back to the, to the passage of verse 6, Hebrews eleven six. 6, first of all, you draw near to him. You're not running away from him. You're drawing near him, coming near him. It's a pulling you near. That's a faith that pleases him. He wants that. Uh, that's one reason I'm teaching you the pace prayer, because some of you don't know how to pray privately. And I want you to go in your closet when nobody is around but you and the Holy Spirit. And I'm teaching you the pace prayer to how to walk through it. Gotta give you praise. I accept what you offer to me through your son. I, I surrender control today. And I'm living with expectancy today. 
so you'll know I'm just I'm helping you out as a pastor. I'm pastoring you when it comes to praying. Why am I doing that? Because I want you to draw nearer to him. That's a faith that pleases God. The, the second element of a faith that pleases God is that he exists. There's no one like him. No one like him. There is no other God before you. No other God before you. I, I believe that you're real and you exist. And even in this teaching, you're pursuing me with a love relationship. You're inviting me to join you. I believe that you exist. There's no one like you. And the third way that is a faith that pleases him is to know that he rewards those that seek him. He does. He rewards those that draw near to him and that are seeking him. One of my life verses is 2 Chronicles 16, 9. And I like it because it is a passage that shows what the Lord is looking for when he looks at this earth. And it is a passage about King Asa. King Asa started off strong in his faith in the Lord. God was the protector of him, his kingship, and his people. But then as he grew older, he, he, he quit drawing near to God, which is in Hebrews eleven six, And he starts moving away from him. He thinks there's a better way of protection. So he, he starts making treaties with all the kings around him, thinking this is another level of protection. Well, God doesn't want him to do that. And he's thinking, well, I'll just make treaties with all these other kings and there's another layer of protection to our people. God said, I don't want you to do that. He went ahead and did it anyway. You know, you know what Asa did? You know that C in the pace prayer where I surrender control? He started taking the control back. And he started thinking like he was the only king. And this is a better way to handle my people. And so when I read this to you, you're gonna, the second half is, uh, all of it's to Asa, but the second half talks about being at war. He made all these treaties thinking he was gonna be at peace, but yet being in all these treaties led them to more war. Wonder who knew that? Wonder who knew that? And he's, he's, he's telling Asa, this is what I'm looking for. This is what he's looking for in you and me, in a heart that's drawing near. For the eyes of the Lord, Yahweh, roam throughout the earth. I learned it looking to and fro, okay? <laughs> to show himself strong for those whose hearts are completely his. That's what he's looking for. That, that, that kind of person, that kind of faith is a faith that pleases him. We're drawing near to God. We believe he exists. There's no one like him. And he rewards those that seek him and draw near to him. And here Asa is leading himself and his people away, not drawing near. Look, at you've been foolish in this matter. Therefore, you will have wars from now on in your life. Uh, it, it, it is a picture of the Lord is looking for our faithful hearts. That's all. That's all he's looking for. Mark 10, 27. Verse 26 is talking about salvation. But he said, you and I need to revisit this scripture a lot. It's more than in just the gospel of Mark. Look at them, Jesus said. With men it is impossible, but not with God. Because all things are possible 
with God. All things. Faith is a demonstration of God's power. When we put it into action, we're gonna know that he did it. Look at 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and 5. Paul says, my speech and my proclamation were not with, with uh, persuasive words of wisdom, but with powerful demonstration by the Spirit. See, the, de the powerful demonstration. So that your faith might not be based on men's wisdom, but be based on God's power. Um, many of you in this service and in our first service have just moved here. You've moved to Anderson or Franklin County and uh, just, just to throw out you know, a little bit of props, God's moved you to, to his country. Um, and uh, some of you have moved here from other states and little by little I've gotten to meet you. But I've... In my, in my private prayer, my pace prayer, I, I don't spend as little a time on it as I teach you. It, it's a little longer. But I pray for all of you who have moved here. We have several that have moved from California and Arizona and Illinois and just different places. And uh, I pray for you because it's a hard adjustment. Uh, I remember those days, it's very difficult. And I, I've prayed for you that God would show you the next steps in your life of even why you're here, that he would reveal it to you. And he, he, would, he reveals it to us in those next steps. Our, our faith is a demonstration for all of you mom and dads that have just recently moved your family. I want you to listen, because God revealed this to me. As a preacher's kid, we moved a lot. And uh, thankfully, we've been here since 1994, uh, and we, we haven't moved. Uh, there's some folks that's wanted us to, but, but uh, we haven't. And uh, I, I wanna say this to your mom and dad. I pray for words of knowledge, and I believe this is one of them for you today. Uh, God just didn't move the mom and dad here. I want you to hear me that God has something for your children. Because I look back on my life, and when God was moving my mom and dad, he moved me too, obviously. But I was never out of the picture that there is a reason why God has moved you here. And it, does it include mom and dad? Of course. But there's something that he has in store for your kids. And I want you to hear that today. I want you to feel that today. You've moved and you're here and we, we, wanna, we, we wanna embrace you the best we can, the way our lives are coming and going. But I, I want you to know that God will demonstrate his power in and through the adjustments that some of you all have recently made. He, he, he's there. A crisis of belief is natural. But what we do next reveals what we believe about God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust the Lord with all of your heart, even when you don't know everything that's going on. Lean not and do not rely or lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, think about him, acknowledge him. And here's a promise, because we're talking about our path, right? God, God will guide you 
on the right path that you are going to be able to take. Miss, Miss Amy's going to make her way. I asked Amy to come and share a bit of testimony with you. Uh, I'm going to do a little lead-in uh, for Amy being here uh, because it so fits. Uh, she and I were talking, and I, I said in the early service, I don't know if I asked her to do this or I told her to do this. I hope I asked. Did I ask you? Kind of? Maybe a little bit. But... Um, uh, Amy, I, I tell people that Christ is the head of the church and then right under that is Amy. <laughs> okay, Amy has moved into, uh, she's, our, she's your church administrator uh, and our secretary, but she's far more than that. Those, those titles don't, don't, don't even really describe it. <clears throat> and uh, I, I've seen a lot of what I talked about in Amy's life. We knew each other, but as we're working together more, we're knowing each other more. And we we had this wonderful plan of Susie retiring and walking out and and then just moving Amy in. Have y'all ever had a plan that didn't work? Uh, it didn't work whatsoever like we wanted it to. I, I want her to speak to that and then I want to come and speak to the plan that God had, or that we had and what God has done for us. Listen, we love Amy and God has moved her into this place. Uh, you all welcome Amy to our stage. Will you do that? Thank you. Um, I guess my, my story that I want to share started about 24 years ago. When Hope started, I started dating a young man that's over there. Um, and we started coming to Hope at the middle school. I never had any intention to serve or I had a plan. I was going to work at Lexmark for the rest of my life. I didn't know if I'd have children, but that was my plan. And I came to a crossroad probably about, I guess, all in 2008, where I had to um, decide if I was going to stay home or give up my job. And that is kind of was my crisis of belief where I had to take that step and, and stay home. And from that point, like there has been opportunity um, after opportunity that God has opened. Um, I would have been happy staying in my box at Lexmark, working on my computer and never meeting anybody. That just was my personality. People made me nervous. Um, I won't say I didn't like people, I just didn't know how to get to know people. And so he has changed me through that. Um, I remember Steve sitting here. I remember going out the opposite door that he was coming in so that he wouldn't ask me to serve in children's ministry. <laughs> but one time he tripped me. And from that point forward, you know, I have served and then I served in Comiso. Um, and I kind of laughed when Jeff said, you know, I think this would be a good role for you. And I was like, no, <laughs> that's not me. But God has provided. Um, and I, th I think that Susie left quickly because I probably would have resisted or stayed in that, either backed up or stayed at that stop sign for a long time. But God does, and he calls us um, in little things. And it's just, we just have to be obedient with each step. And he will provide everything because, like I said, I'm a completely different person than I was 24 years ago, thankfully. So... Uh our, our plan was for uh, Susie to retire at the end of 2023. That was our plan. And Susie, they, uh, they had a grandbaby, Shiloh. Well, changed all plans. Susie's like, I'm going to retire in January of 23. And then it was where they were going to keep Shiloh. So that moved her to retiring uh, around September, October, right around now. Uh, and then her husband, Randy, became really, really sick. Uh, several surgeries, and uh, that moved everything up. So we, we had a plan, looked like a good transition plan. We, we had Amy shadowing 
uh, Susie for a while. Uh, we knew that she was in children's ministry, but God was showing us her gifts. And uh, I, I, I just knew that God was leading that in. And we're just like, just shadow Susie, learn what you can. And um, it's like pitching a bale of hay in a barn, you know? That's what happened to Amy. Uh, we, 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 had a, we had a plan to just work her in. It looked wonderful on paper, looked great, didn't happen. We just took Amy, we had to pitch her in. Uh, she had to learn that. Uh, she had to learn all the things that go with running an office at a church, which is unlike any office you have ever worked in in your life. You might think you know it, but the chances are they probably don't. It's a completely different place. But when God asks you to go through all these levels, you were dating here, you, like you said, Steve, wait, raving here, you, you're avoiding Steve uh, because you've told us you don't meet people well, you don't really, you're, you can be shy saying, God, I can't do that, right? So have you found God to be faithful on showing you the next step Absolutely. and then faithful in accomplishing his will in you? Have you found him faithful in doing that? Yes, I have, but yeah. I have resisted very hard. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> and uh, so it's happened step by step within our church. And I, I'm just going to give you a leadership principle. We, we believe that God will raise up everything we need in our church right in here. That's what he's showing us. Now, he, he, we trust him in that, right? But we really haven't hired outside of our church in a long, long time. That we disciple people that come up and God puts them in work. So we were seeing Amy move in that. And, and thank you for being flexible. I'll bring up the Hope Church card because we just had to pitch you in. And listen, Dudley, she's done wonderful, hasn't she, Dudley? And, and uh, you, you've been an incredible gift, but I wanna thank you for saying yes. I wanna, even though those next steps look really uncomfortable, he was faithful to empower you, right? Mm -hmm. And not only that, Amy is great at assimilating people. She's like, do you know so-and-so? I go, no. So Amy puts us together. You know, she's great at our church coming together. I just wanna thank you for saying yes. We wanna thank the Lord that he's faithful in our next steps, right? You're thankful in that. And, and even in this, we, we were talking in the office and the, she's like, no, what do you want me to do? You know, so, uh, but I, I wanted you to see there's been many, many steps. Every one of them were uncomfortable to her. Every one of them were, I don't think I can do this. And God, God is faithful, isn't he? And he'll always give you your next step. And it's powerful. That's what I want you to know. It's, 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 it's said, Paul wrote that God may see that power working, that's working within you. We're gonna take communion together. We're gonna to remember what he has done for us. Listen, the greatest love demonstration is not a box of chocolates and a, some flowers and a, and a card, okay? The greatest love demonstration on this earth was Jesus coming to die on the cross. No greater love demonstration matches that. Even a mother's love demonstration does not match that. You know why? In, in our world, you and I may, may think that it doesn't make sense that our sins have to be paid for. Because in, in our world, we can think there's a life where you avoid it, sweep it under the rug, 
let the days pass, all those things. But in God's world, sin has to have a payment. And you and I aren't going to ever change that. That's his world, that's his system. Because that sin is directly against him. That's Psalm 51. Paul, uh, David wrote, I've sinned against you and against you. When you're not, yeah, I mean, can it affect your family and your spouse and relationship? Absolutely, of course. But our sin is against him. It's against him. And he doesn't take that lightly. There has to be a penalty for it. But yet he loves us that he sent Jesus to pay the penalty, to pay our debt. We had a debt to pay. We couldn't pay it. We couldn't work it off. We couldn't do anything but he sent Jesus to pay for it. Today, we're gonna remember his sacrifice. We're gonna remember this. And we're gonna say thank you for your body given. We're gonna thank you for your blood shed. Because of that, I can be forgiven and free today in October 2022. So when you take communion today, you can take it here or you can take it back with you. We're not going to take it in unison. I'll take it here because I really don't have anywhere else to go uh, like you do. But when you take the bread, thanking for the body of Christ is given. When you drink the drink for the bloodshed, I can be forgiven and free. Listen, with today's sermon, What am I doing, church? Surrender. My faith and my trust is in you. There's no one like you. We remember him today. Let's pray. Father, I pray over our people. The spirit and the bride say to come. It's not your table, our table, it's yours. And you invite us to come. We come and we confess. We come and we repent. We do the 180. We come knowing that you're calling us and that you are faithful to provide our next steps. Thank you for that. Father, let us be content and know that not only that, but you're faithful to empower us to accomplish your will, your purpose, and your ways. And one of your ways was for us to not die for our sins, but for your son to come. And we recognize Jesus as you, your son, He's the son of the living God. He's our savior and we recognize his sacrifice today and we remember his body given, we remember his blood shed so we can be forgiven and free. Our faith and our trust is in you. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray, amen. Church, you can stand if you will. The team's gonna lead us. It's a song, it's a big big praise and worship song about his love for us and his sacrifice on the cross. It's about thanking him for the cross. The invitation is, come. As the team leads us, you respond, come.